0: I want to call your attention now to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. Matthew, chapter 5. And we continue our study of this portion of Scripture called the Beatitudes. And that term is a Latin version of the word blessed, with which these Verses all begin. We might call them the blesseds. And we come today to verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And may God bless the reading of His word to our hearts. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. the world of the first century in which Jesus spoke these words was not accustomed to hearing things like this. Certainly the Gentile world was not accustomed to hearing blessed are the merciful. The Roman Empire was built on four cardinal virtues they were wisdom, justice, discipline, and courage. But you notice mercy was not included in the list. In fact, one Roman philosopher labeled mercy as the disease of the soul. Much like humility, mercy or mercifulness was considered weakness, not strength. Of course, the hearers that our Lord was addressing in the sermon delivered here on a mountain in Galilee were Jewish people. Probably not a Gentile among them. But we can be relatively sure that Few Jewish ears were accustomed to hearing things like, blessed are the merciful. Most within the Jewish nation longed for the day when they would be free from the bondage of Rome. And they would gain the upper hand over Rome and have an opportunity to repay them in kind. Think, for example, of the prophet Jonah, those uh, several hundred years earlier. He did not want any mercy to be shown to Nineveh. He wanted God to go ahead and destroy them because they stood in the way of Israel's freedom. They were a threat. In fact, Jonah confesses. And says, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. And Jonah didn't want God to show those mercies to Nineveh. If any of our Lord's hearers on this occasion were familiar with their own scriptures, they did know The 18th Psalm that says, with the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. And Proverbs 14 that says that he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. So our Lord says something here that does have some Old Testament basis. But what does he mean? And what is he saying to us in this? Well, first, let us define merciful. And let's consider first what it is not. Being merciful in the sense in which our Lord is talking here is not any Disposition that naturally occurs in any of us It is not something that we're born with It's not something that some have and some don't And the ones who have it just have it naturally And those who don't, don't have it naturally If that were the case Then there would be some people who do not need salvation Who do not need God's mercy Because they are already in a good state by themselves. The truth is, beloved, when we are true to our sinful nature, we are not merciful. We are unmerciful. We are cruel. We despise others and we oppress others. We should be thankful to God for the common grace that exists in in many unregenerate hearts that keeps the human race as a whole from being as unmerciful and cruel as we are capable of by ourselves. But let us never confuse common grace with saving grace. When Jesus says blessed are the merciful. He's not talking about anything that occurs naturally. He's not talking about the existence of some degree of common grace. He's talking about saving grace. He's not talking about the philanthropist. That gives his millions and billions away. He's not talking about. Necessarily the soldier on the battlefield who falls on top of a grenade in order to save the lives of his comrades nearby. Jesus isn't talking about that unless their hearts are regenerated by God's mercy. He's not talking about any disposition that naturally occurs or that we're born with. And it is so uh, disappointing to see how often what appears on the surface as mercy and benevolence and uh, philanthropy and human- humanitarianism is a subtle way of promoting Self. Seeking some credit for the big contribution, getting your name on a plaque on a wall or uh, getting some you know, medal of honor or whatever the case may be. God knows the heart. But our Lord is talking about something that occurs supernaturally. Supernaturally. Again, in, in negatives, mercifulness is not helping those who are worthy of help. That's a very denial of mercy. Mercy can only operate where unworthiness exists. For it to be mercy, the, the object of, of help must be one who doesn't deserve it. Again, mercifulness is not ignoring God's law and failing to exercise discernment between good and evil and indulging others in their sin in an unprincipled way. It's not saying, well, a little sin is okay. And after all, we're all sinners and and we're all guilty. And so uh, we'll just be merciful here about this sin. That is sometimes thought of as mercy. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. In the Old Testament, King Saul showed a kind of mercy to Agag, the Amalekite king that he was ordered by God to kill. And he shows him mercy and doesn't kill him, doesn't execute him as he deserved. But then the prophet Samuel came along and entered the scene there. And Samuel Showed Agag no such mercy, took a sword and hewed him to pieces, it says. The mercy that Jesus is talking about here is not at the expense of justice and at the denial of justice. We can say that God Himself does not show mercy at the expense of justice. He shows mercy as justice is fully satisfied. And God's justice was satisfied when Christ died on the cross for our sins. And it is in that context of the satisfaction of justice that mercy is shown to sinners like you and me. And so the verse in the Psalms is crystal clear. Mercy and truth are met together. Mercy is not a denial of truth. Mercy operates in the context of truth. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And we see that more than anywhere else in the cross of Jesus Christ. Along this same line of thought, is it merciful For a Christian to attend a sodomite wedding, falsely so-called, but wedding is the term that's used. Is it merciful for a Christian to attend such an event and take a gift in order to maintain some friendly relationship with the, the parties involved? I think we have to say the biblical principled answer is no. While we certainly want to see God save sodomites and God save all kinds of sinners. And while we should look for doors of evangelism to that end. Going to the celebration of an abomination in the sight of God, sends a mixed signal at best. It is a kind of disapproving approval, and that is a very mixed signal. Rather, we should seek opportunities to evangelize and influence that do not deny God's institution of marriage as biblically defined. We should seek opportunities to witness to sodomites or anyone else in a way that does not condone and encourage their sin. And while it is true that in the parable of the prodigal son the father received him back home with open arms we should not fail to understand that that was as the prodigal son repented the father did not go to the hog pen and coddle the son in the hog pen But he received him with open arms as he repented. And as far as the older brother, the other prodigal son, yes, he was definitely in the wrong. He ought to have rejoiced because his younger brother had repented. But to try, as some have, to draw a parallel between the attitude of the, the older brother refusing to go to the, the feast and a Christian refusing to participate or, or attend a sodomite wedding is, is a parallel that uh, does not exist. And, and that is really scraping the bottom to try to, to justify something that should never have occurred. Well, that's how practical the Beatitudes are. We have to make sure that we define mercy carefully and biblically. The word means pity, it means compassion. The place for mercy exists when there is suffering and when there is need. And mercy is a disposition of compassion and pity upon the suffering and the needy. It is at first or at its source an inward disposition. And it leads to deeds of mercy. And the term used here seems to really emphasize the deed aspect of mercy. Deeds are the proof of real concern. And what deeds we're able to do may vary widely from case to case. There are cases, certainly, where intercessory prayer is about the only deed of mercy that's available to us. Well, we should take advantage of that and seek for other opportunities. Thomas Watson has a good practical definition of being merciful. He says, Mercifulness is a melting disposition whereby we lay to heart the miseries of others and are ready on all occasions to be instrumental for their good. We have some parables that our Lord spoke that do show mercy. It certainly was an act of mercy on the part of that father to receive the prodigal son back into his home and even to receive and keep the older son who had such a proud and self-righteous attitude. I think also of the parable of the Good Samaritan, and uh, we'll not take time to turn and read that. I trust you're familiar with it. But after the priest and the Levite passed by and wouldn't have anything to do with this man who was half dead, lying uh, robbed on the side of the road, this Samaritan, this this unwelcome uh, half-breed mongrel in the eyes of the Jews comes along and helps him. Binds his wounds. Pays for his stay at the hotel and was a true neighbor to that needy man, a, a total stranger. There's a beautiful example of mercy. To be neighborly. I'll just point out a few things about this good Samaritan. He did not ignore the obvious need, but he provided practical help. He took personal responsibility for the needs of the man. He did not complain about the failure of society in general to help. You know, it's always easy to show benevolence with somebody else's money. Our politicians are very good at that and they have all kinds of of, of great compassion to to the, the the needy as long as they can spend somebody else's money this good samaritan spent his own it's interesting to note that uh, in that story he didn't go chasing after the thieves even though we should not deny a place for justice to be uh, administered. And he didn't hide behind some self-imposed scruples in order to uh, protect himself from this personal trouble and expense. That's what the priest and the Levite did. They came up with a whole list of reasons why they shouldn't have anything to do with this fellow. Who was a neighbor? Who was merciful? It was the Samaritan. And the application is obvious, isn't it? Still delving into the definition of mercy here. Sometimes mercy calls us to rebuke and exhort and to expose sin and to call to repentance that sometimes lies in the path of duty and it's only a false kind of mercy that denies this responsibility is it merciful to let someone quietly sleep while their house is on fire oh i don't want to wake them up they're 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 in the middle of their night's rest i want to be merciful you say that's outrageous Is it merciful to let others wander into the lake of fire without warning them? Mercy tells the truth. Mercy is honest. Lovingly and firmly, mercy tells the truth. Even our animals our livestock, or our pets come into view here. Proverbs 12 says, A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. An old preacher named Roland Hill said, I would not give anything for that man's religion whose very dog and cat are not the better for it. (laughs) Well, we could say a lot about that but let me hasten here at the very heart of being merciful is taking thought of others others other people it is not to be overly focused upon self but to look Out for others. Now thus far in the Beatitudes. Each soul has been directed to look within. The poor in spirit. They that mourn. The meek. They which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. But certainly here in this Beatitude. There is a shift of focus to those around us. Merciful. We look at others and and in a way we see ourselves. And we recognize that we're all in the same condition. We're in the same boat. We're all in this big basket of deplorables. We're all sinners in the hands of an angry God. In other words, this beatitude bids us To recognize that I need mercy, and so does everyone else. And I must be merciful to others because I need mercy also. The Lord reminded Israel of this several times after they came out of the land of Egypt. He says, for example, thou shalt not oppress a stranger, a foreigner, For ye know the heart of a stranger, seeing ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. He says, remember what it was like to be in Egypt. And be merciful to those who are the equivalent of that in your own society. The fact is, beloved, we all live on mercy. Thomas Watson says we ourselves live upon alms. We all depend upon God for his mercy. And that's why we should be merciful to others. I think of how God is merciful to me. Merciful in An eternal and redemptive way. And I think even how God is merciful to me. In earthly and temporal ways. And how others have helped me. All through my earthly pilgrimage. And some have opened their homes. And some have opened their wallets. And I just exist by mercy, ultimately from God and whatever means He uses. And can I not be merciful to others? God forbid. Well, it says that the merciful are blessed here. And that word again means happy, it means fortunate. What is the happiness of the merciful? Well, it is that they obtain or will obtain mercy, it says. They will find mercy. God will be merciful to them. That's what's implied here. And it's similar to his teaching on forgiveness in other passages, even uh, right here in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6. But let me give you some other Passages, just very quickly here, that say the same thing. Uh, most of these are from the Old Testament, from Psalms and Proverbs. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. Referring to God. With an upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. That is, he, he finds mercy. That wasn't what he set out as his goal, but that's sort of a surprising uh, byproduct. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. In other words, God will pay the debt. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. That's the beatitude in reverse. The the, the unmerciful will not find mercy. Let me give it to you again from the 41st. Psalm, blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. And so on. In the New Testament, Jesus said, Give and it shall be given unto you. That's another way of saying the merciful will find mercy. Give and it shall be given unto you. For with the same measure that ye meet, or that ye measure, with all that shall be measured to you again. We have the example of Onesiphorus, in 2nd Timothy, just indulge me and let me read these verses. 2nd Timothy uh, chapter 1 verses 16 through 18. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me. Onesiphorus showed mercy to Paul in prison as a prisoner. He was not ashamed of my chain. It, it was a, an embarrassing, humiliating and potentially dangerous thing. To go into that prison and help Paul. And Onesiphorus said, I'm going to go help him anyway. And when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And so on. There it is. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And this is a promise that has no doubt some temporal fulfillment. God meets the needs of those who are merciful and generous. But we should also especially see the fulfillment of this uh, promise and this beatitude in heaven, in eternal mercies, eternal favors. Oh, what good fortune! To know the mercy of God and to safely reach the shores of heaven forever. God will see to it that you're not a loser by being generous to others. Now, lest we misunderstand, we should make sure that we do not make mercifulness to be some sort of a meritorious work. That. Earns the mercy of God toward us. Some would read this beatitude that way. They think so much in terms of human merit and works. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Listen, if that's the point, then what Jesus should have said was, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain justice. No. The merciful will obtain mercy. They themselves are unworthy of God's mercy, but he will be merciful to them also. Mercy is unmerited by its very nature and definition. And we are debtors to the mercy of God from start to finish. Please hear this and understand this. God's mercy makes us to be merciful in the first place. And then he not only gives us the grace of being merciful, but he rewards it as well freely of his, of his abundant grace. He rewards our mercy with yet more of his mercy. And so it's his mercy from start to finish. And we might say that's what is implied here between the clauses. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy it is God. It is God's mercy that makes a soul merciful. And then God follows up with yet more mercy toward that soul. It's a marvelous thing. It's all of his grace, all of his mercy. And as with other of these beatitudes, let me just say a word of how we see Christ in this beatitude. Think how merciful he is. And as we read the four Gospels, how merciful he was toward hungry multitudes. He's moved with compassion and he feeds them. He sees a blind man. He's moved with compassion. He sees a a grieving family on their way to the cemetery and he's moved with compassion, mercy. And he comes and heals and raises the dead He has pity on harlots and publicans. And oh, what glory he has entered into now. His resurrection glory is said to fulfill the promise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Well, let me just say a few words here also about the beauty of mercy. Mercy is a beautiful thing. God delights in it, Micah chapter 7 tells us. And our Lord himself talks here right in this same chapter towards the end of the chapter about God's love. We might say mercy, benevolence toward the unjust. He... Loves his enemies and he commands us to follow his example. Verse 45. Your father in heaven makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. He is merciful to those who do not love him. He gives many benefits and and mercies to all. He is called the father of mercies. When he revealed himself to Moses in the the clearest way in Exodus 34, he said, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. That's at the top of the list. Merciful. Keeping mercy for thousands and so on. The Lord is good to all, the psalmist says. There's saving mercy and there's general mercy, if you will. And even his general mercy is astonishing. Not to mention the saving, redeeming mercy. His tender mercies are over all of his works. You remember Psalm 136, that at the end of each verse in that long psalm, it says, This refrain, for his mercy endureth forever. That was sort of David's theme, David's anthem, throughout his life. God's mercy is said to be plenteous in Psalm 103, abundant in 1 Peter 1, and he is said to be rich in mercy in Ephesians 2. And surely we can add to this verse list the saying of Jesus Recorded only in the book of Acts where he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Have we learned the joy of giving? God calls us to be merciful. He calls his disciples to mercy. Be therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Merciful. He says, God himself is our supreme model and example in showing mercy. Albert Barnes says, we are never more like God than when we show mercy. And his mercies to us move us and prompt us to serve him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, and so on. As we show mercy to others, we show it to Christ Himself. Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me, He said. Mercy is a beautiful thing because it's a Godlike thing. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. In the words of the New Testament, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, kindness. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Unless I'm mistaken, this this beatitude may be the most soul-searching one of them all. If we're not merciful, It means that we do not know God's mercy. We are strangers to his mercy. And our hopes of heaven are ill-founded. The unmerciful one is an unthankful one. We saw that in the uh, parable that we read earlier about this man who had been forgiven so much and mercy had been extended to him and he couldn't extend a fraction of that to his fellow man. Not helping others reveals ignorance of how much we have been helped and how much we need help. Christian friends, we simply cannot afford not to be merciful. You know, some say I I I can't. I don't. I can't afford it. No, the truth is, we can't afford not to be merciful. How else will our gospel be taken seriously? Mercy gets the attention of an unmerciful world, and mercy paves the way for the gospel to run. Let me say one more word here about the dreadful state of the unmerciful. If it's true that blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy, then what must be true of the unmerciful? Those who are unsympathetic to others, who demand their pound of flesh no matter what, whose attitude is I made myself and others are going to have to make themselves just like I have. I don't need mercy, not from man, not from God. I despise mercy. Such a one is an enemy to his own soul. It means that there's no mercy from God toward him if it is true that the merciful will obtain mercy then the unmerciful will not obtain mercy there's no mercy in store for such a one for he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy James tells us so let us examine our hearts today Do you feel your need of mercy? Do you recognize your need of mercy from God? That you are in a needy, desperate condition, and only His mercy will help you? If so, are you merciful? if you have come to know God's mercy toward you and been the recipient of it, do you reflect it to others? And do you want God to be merciful to others? Or do you want God to be hard on them like Jonah was with Nineveh? Oh, beloved, beloved, The merciful are those who will obtain mercy because God is at work in them already. I urge you to come and find mercy in Christ. Like the publican who prayed in the temple, cry out to God, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And God will be merciful. You will know his mercy. You will discover the riches of his mercy and the joy of being merciful to others. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Let us all confess and forsake our sins. Find God's mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy.